This morning, I'd like to share a message with all of us about the freedom that Christ brings to all of us. Let's all stand as we read Scripture. John chapter 8, let's read verse, beginning with verse 31. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never yet been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, Everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. Father God, we thank you for the truth of your word. Speak to me, speak through me, Lord God, and you be the one to speak to your people here this morning about what it means to really be free in Christ. We commit to you this time, Lord God, and we pray that you alone be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There is a saying that he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Right? But what is freedom? You can do anything because what? You're free. A slave, is he free? No. He belongs to his master. A slave can only do what his master allows him to do. That's why he is called a slave. Now, look at what Jesus is telling the Jews. So Jesus was saying to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide or if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. So what is one very important characteristic of a true disciple of Jesus Christ? He continues, he abides in the word. Right? The word abide means to continue, to tarry, to remain. Right? So one mark of a true disciple is, is he remains in God's word. Are you reading God's word? Are you staying in obedience to God's word? Because that is a sure characteristic of a true disciple. In verse 32, Jesus gives us a promise. As you abide in the word of God, as you spend time in the word of God, what will happen? You will know the truth. The truth of God's word. And you will not only the know the truth of God's word, you will even know the true word. And who is the true word? And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. You will know the word, capital W, that's Jesus Christ. And you will know his word as you abide in the Bible, the word of God. And as you do that, what will happen according to this verse? You will what? You will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Are you free? Did anyone force you to drive here today? Somebody put a gun to your head? Wake up. If not, you're going to sleep forever. No! We're free to go where we want to go. Right? Some of our friends, our family, 
have gone out of town. They're having an extended vacation. That's their right. That's their freedom. Right? Nobody forces us to come and worship. Correct? Now, the same idea with these people that Jesus Christ was talking to. He was talking to the Jews who had already believed him. He had, he's talking to people who believe who he is. That he's the son of God, that he's the Messiah. And when he tells them that you will know the word and that and you will know the word and the truth will set you free what was their response look we are Abraham's seed we are Abraham's descendants and have never yet been enslaved to anyone how is it that you say you will become free see in their mindset they had always been free that's why when Jesus told them you will know the truth and the truth will set you free we're not prisoners. We have never been prisoners. But in truth and in fact, they have been enslaved. They have been enslaved to their religion. I remember the movie The Son of God. Of course, it's just a movie. But the Pharisees were debating, are we going to send Jesus to Pilate without being charged, without being accused? Will we send him to death for a crime that apparently he has not committed? And the chief priest said, but we have the law. But this person has healed the sick. He has raised the dead. He has caused the blind to see, but we have the law. But this person has changed water into wine. He has done this miracle, that miracle. We have the law. Are they enslaved or not? What were they enslaved to? To the law. If you obey the law, that is the only way for them that you will be able to, beget, to go to heaven. Deuteronomy 26 says, Cursed are you to obey the whole law to fulfill it. In other words, if you want to go to heaven, if you and I want to go to heaven, based on our capacity to obey the law, we must be able to obey the law 100%. 100% of the time. That's the slavery of religion. It is a set of do's and don'ts in order that you may get to heaven. Religion says do. Jesus Christ says done. Amen. That's the difference. So in their minds, they were not physically enslaved. They were not in prison. They have never been held captive. They have always been free in their mind. That's why they asked, how is it that you say you will become free? We've never been enslaved. And Jesus answers, Everyone who commits sin is what? A slave to sin. So what is it that tells you whether you are a slave to one thing or you are a slave to another? What you do tells us, tells me, tells you who you are. Because that's what Jesus is saying. If you commit sin, what are you? You are a slave to sin. 
If you don't commit sin and you follow God and you love God, if we apply the same principle, then what are you? You are free. Or you are a slave to God. So are you really free? Nate preached a, a message. Only two. You are either of your father the devil or you are of your father God. So either you are a slave to sin or you are a slave to righteousness. And Jesus depicts it. He says, a slave is temporary. Look at it. The slave does not remain in the house forever. However, the son remains forever. And the difference between what the world can offer us and what Christ offers us is this. If the son makes you free, you are free indeed. You are free indeed. Therefore, true freedom comes through, with, and in Jesus Christ. I'm no longer fr I'm no longer a slave to sin. I can be a slave to righteousness. The Bible tells us that all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But through Christ, we have been set free. Romans 8.1 begins to tell us, Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. How? Why? For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death enslaves us. For Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is what? Eternal life, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Therefore, Jesus took the condemnation of our sin. See, God, God doesn't change his mind. He didn't say, okay, uh, okay, let's start anew. Let's start afresh. Let's start with a clean slate. No. Sin pays its wage, death. Therefore, how did God do it? Now, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. How? For the law of the spirit of life in Christ has set you free from the law of sin and death. Verse 3. For what the law could not do was weak, as it is through the flesh, God did, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Did God break his own law? No. He fulfilled his law by having his son Jesus Christ take the form of a human being, taking the condemnation of all our sins, and he nailed it to the cross. Sin pays its wage death, and Jesus Christ paid for our sins. Therefore, only through Jesus Christ do we have forgiveness and the redemption of our souls. That's true freedom. Not to be enslaved to any form of religion, but to be enslaved to righteousness, to be enslaved to Jesus Christ. Why couldn't we do it? Why did God do it? So that the, right, the requirement of the law, see, God didn't break his law. 
so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit for those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh but those who are according to the spirit things of the spirit God didn't break his law Jesus Christ said I had come not to abolish the law but to fulfill the law that's the kind of God I want to love that's the kind of God I want to serve he doesn't change his mind he is faithful he is trustworthy what he says will happen and he will make a way for it to take hap- to, for it to happen and for his promises to come true he promised redemption for us that redemption came through his son Jesus Christ you're either enslaved to your sin or you're enslaved to Christ look at our nature for the mindset on the flesh is death but the mindset on the spirit is life and peace because the mindset on the flesh is what hostile toward God it does not subject itself to what the law of God for it is not even able to do so and those who are in the flesh cannot please God look at the depravity of our mind according to Romans chapter 8 we can't even do it and we do not realize that we are really enslaved to that thing that we do and as Pastor Danny shared last Sunday I mean two Sundays ago we rationalize it was a failure God calls it one word. What does God call it? Sin. Well, it was in indiscretion on my part. God calls it sin. It was just a fling. God calls it sin. It was just a small white lie. God calls it sin. That's who we are apart from Christ. Left to ourselves we have no other thing to do because that's the very nature that we have is to sin that's why we need the savior that's why we need to be set free from the slavery that we are in because of our sin now freedom gives us the right to do what we want to do right correct according to what we're reading so far true freedom comes from christ but here in America, we are free, right? You want to drive on the wrong side of the road? Fine. No problem. You just might hit an oncoming vehicle and die, but fine. You're free to do that, right? You want to ask the bill from the restaurant and pay the waiter in pesos? Fine. You might not be able to go home. You might have to wash dishes, but you can extend your 500 or 1,000 peso bill. You're free, right? See, look, because the mindset on the flesh is what? Hostile toward God. It does not subject itself to the law of God because we are not even able to do so. So what do we want? We want to be free. 
born free. As life is worth living, yeah. Those of you who are old, you know what I'm singing. Right? What? But you want this? How about this word? You want to be free? No problem. What's that word? Isn't anarchy absolute freedom? How, does it, how is it defined? A state of society without government or law. Political and social disorder due to the absence of governmental control. Synonyms, lawlessness, which God calls sin. Disruption and turmoil. Lack of obedience to an authority. Insubordination. Confusion and disorder. Intellectual and moral anarchy followed his loss of faith. Synonyms, chaos, disruption, turbulence, license, disorganization. Is this not absolute freedom? That you are able to do whatever you want to do, when you want to do, to whoever you want to do it? And how you want to do it? What happens, therefore, to an organized system of laws that protect your rights and the rights of other people? Do we just throw them out of the window? I want to marry whomever I will marry. I want to kill whoever I want to kill. There is no law. Let's throw the law out of the window. Ibrahim, I don't like the way you look. So I'm going to kill you. I'm going to end your life today. Am I not free to do that? In a state of anarchy, you can do whatever you want to whomever you want, when you, when you want, and however you want to do it. Is that freedom? In any civil organized society, while you have freedoms, you have responsibilities. Therefore, I am free. I am free. Right? The mic wanted to be free of me. I am free. I am free to wear whatever I want on this stage. Correct? But others will be offended by what I wear. Because it says, under God. I don't like God. I don't like the cross. I want to be free. I can do whatever I want. I can marry whomever I want, regardless of gender. I don't want this baby. I don't want the responsibility of bringing this baby to full term, give birth to this baby, and take care of it. I want the pleasures of sex. I don't want the responsibility of parenthood. Jesus is the bread of life. You come to the office wearing that, you might get in trouble. But you say, this is the land of the free. And the home of the brave. My friends, with freedom comes responsibility. And no one is absolutely free except through Jesus Christ. 
having Christ is true freedom. That's why he said in Galatians chapter 5 verse 1, It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, here's the responsibility, keep standing firm and do not subject yourself again to a yoke of slavery. Jesus Christ paid for your sin. You are free from the law of sin and death. You are now are free from the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Why? To set you free. Don't go back. Stand firm. Don't go back to your former life of slavery to sin. Live for God. In verse 13, you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. Don't use your freedom to continue to indulge in your sinful nature just because Christ has paid for it. On the contrary, through love, serve one another. God calls us to a life of freedom, but with a life of freedom comes a life of responsibility. Now some people take the grace of God and trample underfoot the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. In the book of Jude, it says, certain persons have crept in unnoticed, those who were long beforehand marked out for this condemnation. Ungodly persons who turn the grace of our God into licentiousness and deny our Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. See, just because Jesus Christ paid for the penalty of our sins because of the grace of God does not mean that you have a get-out-of-jail-free card or you have a fast pass. Being a slave to Christ means turning away from sin and turning to God. These people have taken these people in the book of Jude. In some translations says, certain people have crept in among you. They are in the church. They are in the churches. Not the chicken. They are in the churches. Okay? And what are they doing? They are taking the grace of God okay, and using that well, I'm already forgiven. Isn't it that you taught me in the Bible study that Jesus Christ paid for all of my sins, past, present, and future? Yes! I can continue to do what I'm doing. Why? Jesus Christ paid for it. Is that not an abuse of the grace and love and mercy of God for us? that we would just set aside the blood of Christ so that we just can continue in our life of slavery to sin. Romans 6 says, and this is, Paul, this is Paul encouraging the believers in Rome, sin shall no longer be our master because you are not under law, you are under grace. You see, in the Old Testament, their lives were a bunch of do's and don'ts based on the Ten Commandments that God gave to Moses. And when Christ came, 
That law was fulfilled in Christ. And as a matter of fact, when he said, Into thy hands I commit my spirit, and he breathed his last, the veil of the Holy of Holies tore from top to bottom, signifying that anyone and everyone could now come to God without need of those rituals, those that have been set in place in the Old Testament. He says, you are no longer under law, you are under grace. What then? Shall we sin? Because we are not under law but under grace? By no means, he says. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. I am free. We are free to be God's children, to live lives of righteousness. And Paul is admonishing us, don't take the grace of God lightly. You see the dilemma? Since I have the grace of God, therefore I can continue sinning. In the same chapter, basically, says, shouldn't we sin more? So that we should have more grace? You see the mind of man? He's so depraved. Okay, I am saved by grace. Very good. All my sins are forgiven. Praise the Lord. Let's sin some more so that we experience more forgiveness. You see that depravity, that twisted mind that man has? That's why Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8, we have no choice but to sin because that is the very nature that we were born into. Everyone who is a descendant of Adam and Eve have that sinful nature. I don't know if you believe that you were born of a monkey. I believe that I was born of Adam and Eve. I was not born out of an explosion. The Bible says that God created all of us. And I believe that I am a byproduct of uh, reproduction all the way from Adam and Eve to the present. That's what I believe in. So I believe what God says about me. That I'm a sinner and I need the grace of God to save me from my sin, to forgive me of all that I have done so that I could spend the rest of eternity with God in heaven. He further writes, Thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves, what? You have come to obey from your heart. The pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You see, when the Old Testament believers, when the Israelites were obeying, they were obeying because it was a requirement. Now Paul is telling us, because Christ has set you free, you can now obey from what? From your heart. You know, these verses remind me, and I always share it, I would rather that my children obey me because they love me rather than they obey me because they are afraid of the consequences. Parents, you agree? Yes. Very strong. I can hear it. One, two, five rows down, three seats to my... <laughs> Isn't that right? Because if you ask your children, why do you obey me? Oh, if, if I don't, 
you're not going to allow me the car, you're not going to pay for my cell phone, you're not going to pay for my credit card. So I obey you. You like that? That's obedience. Out of duty. Why do you obey me? That because, you know, I realize you've sacrificed so much. You know, uh, you, 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 when I was sick, I remember you stayed, etc., etc. That's, that's what I want to hear. Not because you're going to get mad. But of course, they do get mad when they disobey. Right? So here's my challenge for all of us. If you are truly free, your freedom, Christ's freedom, should give us certain freedoms. I'll just share five very briefly. You're free to give. I knew it. He was going to talk about money again. I knew it. Aren't, aren't we so bombarded? You're listening on the radio. Wow, that was a good message. This program is brought to you by the generous donations of all of our listeners. If God booms in your heart for a small donation of $5, <laughs> always! You know, you hear a powerful message and at the end, you know, for a, for a regular donation of $25, you will be able to feed five children in the Maldives and always asking for money, right? No problem. In the Old Testament, the requirement was what? Remember, requirement was what? A tithe, 10%. Now that I'm in Christ, I'm free. I'm free to what? Now I say this, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly nor under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I submit to you, the freedom that we have in Christ allows us the freedom to give more than what is required. And look at the economy of God. You want to sow sparingly? You will reap sparingly. You want to give generously? You will reap generously. Yes? yes. You're free to give. Second, you're free to love. You've already been set free from the law of sin and death. You have been set free from the life of spirit in Christ. You're free to give. You're free to love. Romans 13. Oh, nothing. Oh, nothing to anyone except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor has what? Fulfilled the law. You have heard it said. You shall love your neighbors and hate your enemies. Truly I say to you, you pray. You love your enemies to salvation. That's freedom. How can I pray for my husband's mistress? You laugh. You laugh, but I have counseled people in the Philippines that way. What? Why should I pray for my husband's mistress? Because if you pray for your husband's mistress and your, the mistress gets saved, she will leave your husband and he's free to come back to you. 
I will not uh, interpret that in any way, shape, or form, brother. <laughs> I refuse to answer on the grounds that it might incriminate me. I plead the Fifth Amendment. <laughs> You're free to love. You're free to love anyone and everyone as Christ would love anyone and everyone. Isn't that liberating? You're free to give. You're free to love. For this, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not covet. And if there is any other command, it is summed up in this saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Imagine, if you're free to obey this command, you won't commit adultery. What will happen to your relationship with your spouse? Yes! will blossom there's no third party what else you shall not murder oh he prayed <laughs> you see instead of murdering Ephraim I love him as Christ loves him yes you shall not covet <laughs> George again you shall not covet. <laughs> naughty, naughty. You shall not covet. You look at your neighbor. Right? You look at your neighbor. Why does he have a new car? Ah! I know. Illegal business. Illegal. That's why. See? Look, look at yourself. See? And then you make all kinds of stories. Look at the wife. Very beautiful. I don't think that's the wife. Okay? As Pastor Peter would said, If you see a man, an older man, opening the door for a younger woman, one of two things is true. The wife is new or the car is new. You can validate that with him when he arrives, okay? You're free to love. If look, look at this kind of society. You're not bothered. You're not greedy. You're not looking at the greener grass on the other side. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Isn't that freedom? First Peter 2. Act as free and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as bond slaves of God. You see, you're either a slave to your sinful nature or you are a slave to God. Being a slave to God, that's true freedom. Because I am enslaved to righteousness. And there is no command of God that hurts other people. Look at that. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Imagine if all of us follow this. Yeah, I showed to you some figures, right? There are many wars still going on today. Excuse me. Wars in the Middle East, in Asia, in Africa. Why? They're still fighting for their rights. Because they don't love their neighbor. As a matter of fact, they want to kill their neighbor. Why? You're Sunni. I'm Shia. Oh. Right? That's happening. That's happening. Do you read the news? I hope you still read the news. And don't live your life as a Christian, as a hermit. 
Brother against brother. It's happening. The Kurds in Turkey, in Nigeria, there's still war going on. Because they would rather kill their neighbor than love their neighbor. Yes? But what is the commandment of God? Love. You're free to love. If you have experienced the love of God, you will experience the freedom to love your neighbor, your worst enemy. You're free to obey. You're free to give. You're free to love. You're free to obey. No longer under requirement, but motivated by love for God. If you love me, Jesus Christ says, the proof of the pudding is in the tasting. If you love me, you will obey my commands. Let's not say that we love God and we are not willing to obey His commands. Because God's love language is obedience. As a matter of fact, He says, He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father and I will love him and not only that, I will disclose myself to him. You want your relationship with Christ to grow deeper and deeper and deeper? Obey. Obey his commands you, as an expression of your love to God and look at his promise. I will disclose myself to him. There's no shortcut, friends. There's no shortcut to a deepening relationship with God except to obey Him. You're free to give. You're free to love. You're free to obey. You're free to worship. You know that? You're free to worship. Before, they had all kinds of stuff. If you did this, you did that, that's not worship. But for us, for whom Christ has died, this is what Romans tells us. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God. So those who have experienced the forgiveness of sin, the grace of God, the mercies of God, to present your bodies as what? A living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is what? Your spiritual service of worship. You're free to worship. Not like before. Do you remember this? Dominus Pobiscum. You can't even participate because the minister was, his back was to you. And let's be honest. What time? Eight. Oh, eight? Fine. Okay, let's go at about 8.35. Why? The sermon will be finished. Yes? Oh. All of us. But now, as far north as Santa Clarita, as, where is he? As far east as Riverside. Dito ba Long Beach? Long vacation pala ang Long Beach. <laughs> West Covina, Alhambra, 
Buenaparte, Fullerton, Brea. We come from all over. Why? Oh, there's a church just around the corner. Why do we come here? I believe we come here because we are united by the same love for God. That we are free. We are free to worship Him. Not only on Sundays because the verse, the Bible is telling us worship should be a lifestyle. So I worship God when I love my wife as God would have me love her. I worship God when I submit to my husband as God would have me. I worship God when I minister and guide my children. I am worshiping God when I obey my parents even if they embitter me. That's an act of worship. You're free to do that. And you're free to serve. Galatians 5.13, you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love. Serve one another. You're free to serve. Oh, Oh, nobody's volunteering. Okay, my mistake. You're free to serve. Serve love. Serve God. Serve the church. Serve your family. That's freedom. Yes? So, through freedom, it glows. It radiates. You're free. Through freedom gives. Through freedom loves. Through freedom obeys. Through freedom worships. And through freedom serves. We must radiate Christ. If we are truly free, let Jesus Christ shine in and through us. For Matthew 5 tells us, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under the basket but on the lampstand, and it gives life to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. True freedom glows in each and every disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why light? Because in the past, we used to walk, we used to live in darkness. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We used to be in the dark. But now, if you are in Christ, Christ has transferred you from the domain, from the dominion, into His kingdom. And the Bible tells us that His kingdom is a kingdom of light. All the things that we do should be motivated by love because Paul reminds us it is Christ loves that compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again why should I live for Christ because I believe that he died 
for the penalty of my sin. And if I believe that he, he died for the penalty of my sin and I accept him into my life as my Savior and Lord, that comes with a commitment to no longer live for myself, but for, to live for Christ who died for me. For I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I do not set aside the righteousness of God, for if righteousness could be achieved by obeying the law, Christ died for nothing. Do you have Christ? If you have Christ, brother, sister, know that you're free. You don't have to continue sinning. You are free to love God. No longer be enslaved to sin. Be enslaved to righteousness. You remember these statistics? How many died because they wanted to be free to maintain their independence? Well, let me add some statistics to this. The population of the United States today, as of yesterday, is 318 million. The world population today is 7 billion, 177 million and counting. Every eight seconds, a new child is born. Every 13 seconds, someone dies. But for these 7 billion, 177 million and counting, there is only one answer. The cross of Jesus Christ. All those millions of people who sacrifice their lives is but a small percentage of those who are living. But Jesus Christ, one life, sacrificed at Calvary, bearing the sins of all humankind, is more than sufficient to save 7 billion, 177 million and counting. Why? So if the Son sets you free you are free indeed have you been set free the only freedom we can truly experience is a life of freedom in Christ every eye closed every head bowed